Well, it's good to be able to share with you today. I just want to open up God's Word today. I don't know if you would call it a sermon, but I just want to open God's Word because God's been teaching me something about significant years in the Scriptures. Places where we find something, something about the word year. And I've got three places in the Word of God where that word year is, is so important to us. I've been doing a wee bit of study on that and I just want to share that with you. I don't know if you call it a sermon or not, but just a opening up of God's Word and we'll read uh, some passages together. But let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for the Scriptures. We thank you for the things you've been teaching us through our life. And yet, Lord, there's yet more that we can learn. And we give you thanks that we can never stop learning much from the Word of God and being fed by it and growing through it. And we ask you, loving God, that you would really speak into each of our hearts today and to you be the praise and to you be the glory. Hide us behind the cross and may no one be seen save Jesus only. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Three years that I believe are significant and, and I don't know if you how many of you use the scriptures in the UCB notes I always use the scriptures at the bottom of each day and it takes you through the Bible in a year <coughs> and if you're ever doing that at all you would find out that this uh, time of the year it's Leviticus I don't know if you've read through Leviticus or not but uh, it's not the most uh, exciting book of the Bible there's lots of laws and regulations and uh, if you happen to have a rash and what happens if you've got a rash and you could be unclean you better confess to somebody you've got a rash and all sorts of things I've been reading about but there's also one or two places maybe there's more than one or two but there's one or two places in Leviticus that's uh, really helpful really powerful like 17 and verse 11 the life is in the blood you know and you get a wonderful verse like that but that's not what I'm going to go with you in Leviticus I want to go to Leviticus chapter 25 because here we have a reference to one of the years that I want to mention to you although I haven't got it up on the screen I'm sure your mind will be able to take this in I've called this year the fallow year that's the year that no sowing had to take place so if you open your Bibles at Leviticus 25 and verses 1 to 7 you'll read the story there about this fallow year Leviticus 25 and verse 1 The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai Speak to the Israelites and say to them When you enter the land I'm going to give you The land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord For six years sow your fields For six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops But in the seventh year the land is to have a Sabbath of rest a Sabbath to the Lord, do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards, do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, for your manservant, your maidservant, the hired worker and the temporary resident who live among you. As well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land, whatever the land produces may be eaten. 
And as you well know, the, the number seven is very significant in the Word of God. The seventh day is the Sabbath, the seventh year, and seven times seven, forty-nine, leads on to the year of Jubilee and what have you. So seven is very important in the Word of God. But here is to be a fallow year. That the farmer is not to sow the field on the seventh year. And we need to read on to find something else that's significant. If you actually go to verse 18 of that same chapter. Verse 18. It says, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws. And you will live safely in the land. And then the land will yield its fruit. And you will eat your fill and live in safety. You may ask what will we eat on the seventh year. If you do not plant or harvest our crops. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year. That the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year. You will eat from the old crop. And will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. And what is so significant about that section is, is really verse 20. Where God is speaking these laws to Moses on the mount. And God is saying to Moses, you may ask, or the people may ask, how are we going to cope with the years that lie ahead? And God says to Moses, I want you to tell them, I'm going to give such a blessing on the sixth year, that's going to take you right through to the ninth. I'm going to care about all these things. The provision is going to last until the ninth year. And that's quite remarkable. Because sometimes we ask, what about the next year, Lord, and the year after that? How are we going to cope years ahead? And we get these thoughts coming through our mind. And God is really saying to us, and to myself included, that I've got that under control. There's a blessing of obedience. The blessing of obedience. God said, I've got it under control. And we often hear it. Look at chapter 26. Chapter 26 and verse 10. Where it says, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you'll have to move it out to make room for the new. Such is the blessing of obedience that you'll still be eating the old harvest up until that ninth year. And you'll need to move out the old and make way for the new. Now there's nothing wrong with the old. The old was okay. But it's just that something new has come in. And it's even better than the old. And that's tremendous. Tremendous word from the Lord. And if you go on, you'll, you'll see there tremendous words. In this. Look at verse 9 of chapter 26. I will look on you with favour and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you'll have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you may no longer be slaves in Egypt. I broke the bars of your yoke and in enabled you to walk with heads held high. Isn't that tremendous for Leviticus? <laughs> In the midst of all these laws and all the regulations, we find a word like this. I'm going to look after the years after the sixth year. I'm going to make provision, the blessing of obedience. 
And we need to hold on to that. God's got so much provided for. And as we eat of the old, we'll have to shove it out because new will come in. And a new harvest will come in. New things will come in. And we have to be blessed by that. There's something about the blessing of obedience that we need to hold on to. God is able to bless us even beyond the imagining. And it's even coming so soon as it were that you'll have to put out the old and make way for the new because the old will not be finished. It's not a case of God's people saying, Lord, when are you going to provide? We've had uh, no no sowing in the seventh year. We're only going to be sowing in the eighth year. When are you going to provide something? They've got it right up until that moment. There's even some of the old left over. And God brings in the new harvest. The fallow year. That's what's spoken about here in Leviticus 25 and 26. The fallow year. God making provision for all the years that lie ahead. What a word for 2013. I'm sure you've been reflecting on that before this. Let's go to the next year. I believe it's significant. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. And here we have the, the religious year of the Jews. Now you may, well be, uh, you may well know that the Jews had two new years within the year, if you can put it like that. One was the civil year, which was round about September, October. It was lunar in the calculation. And this year, 2013, is going to be about the 5th and 6th of September, rather than October, the new year, and, and this particular year. So you've got the civil year happening around September, October time. But you've also got the religious year, or the ceremonial year, which starts in the month of Nisan in the Jewish calendar, which is our March or April. And they always began with the Passover. And so you find in chapter 12 of Exodus and chapter 11, this is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And so in these early days when God took them out of slavery, he says you've got to enact this. Now this is not an exercise of the mind. This is something that you enact with your life. And that's so helpful because so much of Christianity and so much of religion is of the mind. And somebody has said that the greatest distance is the distance between up here and in here. Doesn't seem very far physically. But the greatest distance of what you've got in your mind and the things that you remember to what you actually do in your heart and how you live that life. That could be the greatest distance. And regarding that Passover, we find that it's not to be just an exercise of the mind. You have to eat the unleavened bread. You have to eat as a pilgrim people. Because you're going to the promised land. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that this world is not our home. 
We're just a passing through, as the chorus says. That we are a pilgrim people. And this gathering up of the cloak and eating the unleavened bread and a staff in hand was a reminder to the people of God. You've not yet got to the promised land, but you've got to enact this with your life because you're passing through. This is not for building a tent or building a house. This is for going to that freedom to go to the promised land that I've assigned for you. A land full of milk and honey. And it's Paul that takes that thought. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I think it is. 1 Corinthians 5 verses 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 5 and verses 8 and 9. It's Paul that takes up that thought. And he says there in 1 Corinthians 5, 8 and 9, Therefore let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. What is Paul saying there in the verse before verse 5? Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So Paul's thinking back to this Passover thing and he says, I need to tell you that there's a a new interpretation of that since Christ has come and died on the cross, since Christ has paid it all for us, I need to tell you, because Christ has been sacrificed, we can celebrate the feast with joy, not with the old leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. There's a new interpretation, says Paul, to the Passover, since Christ came and died on the cross. There's the joy of celebration. So where there is the act of remembrance there in the Old Testament, being enacted out in the life, there's the joy of celebration. Because Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And I'm so glad that Paul mentions truth as well as sincerity. Because you see, you can be sincerely wrong. And because Paul mentions sincerity and truth, the truth comes from the very fact that Christ has been sacrificed on the cross. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin is left, it's crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That's a significant year in the life of the Jews, even now. The significance of the Passover and the Christian interpretation of it. From the act of remembrance right through to the joy of celebration. Let's celebrate the festival, says Paul. Not with the old leaven of of malice and evil, but the sincerity and truth. The unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I just wonder what people have taken into 2013. Perhaps it's the old malice and evil. Perhaps it's the evil thoughts that people have in their mind. And while they make their resolutions, very often when it comes to the 1st or 2nd of January, they're taking into the new year the grudges and all the wrong thoughts and all the wrong things that they've had in their mind. But when you have the fact that Christ died on the cross, it can be all so different. The unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we've got the fallow year. And God said, I'm going to provide for the years that lie ahead. We've got the religious year of the Passover, beginning with the Passover, and the Christian interpretation. Let me come to the third one. 
And it's really in a parable in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I've called this the spared year, or the, whatever you want to call it. Luke chapter 13. Verse 6 there. Let me just read these verses. And he told this parable, a man of the fig tree planted in his vineyard and he went to for fruit in it. Sorry. He went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig round it, I'll fertilise it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. The fig tree, very often a symbol of the nation of Israel in the scriptures, the fig tree. But what we find here is the master comes. And what's so wonderful about this uh, scripture is the master has been looking for fruits for three years. Been coming faithfully year after year to meet with the, the servant of the vineyard, the, the one, the master of the vineyard who's been in charge of things there, looking for fruit from this fig tree. It's not really about a fig tree at all. It's really about life. It's about people that Jesus is speaking about. He could be talking about the Jews, the Pharisees, the scribes around him. But what's so, so relevant to us because Jesus is looking for fruit. I always remember a, an old gospel uh, soul, solo that people used to sing, Nothing but leaves for the master. That's where it began. I can't remember the rest of it. And the, Jesus comes and he's looking for fruit. <coughs> The fruit of righteousness, the fruit of fellowship, the fruit of humility, the fruit of joy and blessing in the fellowship, the, the fruit of unity in the fellowship. He's looking for all these things and, and the master said, I've been coming for three years and I've been looking for this. And he makes not an unreasonable request, he says, look, I think you should cut it down. And there's this appeal comes from the, the one that's looking after the vineyard and the, and the fig tree from the master. And he says, look, he said, I, I don't want to do that right now. Because there are certain advantages here. And what you don't find is in the scripture of the parable is, just think about the advantages of that fig tree. Number one was the location. The fig tree was placed in a vineyard. It's not a wild fig tree growing anywhere in the wilderness. This is a fig tree that has actually been planted and placed in a vineyard, which means it's being protected. The location's there. The right location is there. And it's been planted. It's not a, a wild thing. This is something the master has actually planted. But if it was you or I, and if you were a gardener at all like my wife, and something didn't produce for three years, you would be tempted to say, let's get the thing out of here. It's wasting time. It's wasting uh, soil. It's wasting an area of the garden that could be used for something more fruitful. And that's how the master was thinking to begin with. But here is the servant of the vineyard, the one that's looking after things. Give it another year. And I've called that the grace of forgiveness. Give it another year. Because the location's right. The planting is right. And here's the servant of the vineyard said, I'm going to care for it even more. 
I'm going to put, dig it round them. I'm going to put in more fertiliser. And I just find that so wonderful. The grace of forgiveness. The second chance, the third chance. That's how God in his grace works in your life and mine. And perhaps for three years or even longer, there hasn't been that fruit of repentance. You, you haven't come to that place of salvation and given your life to Jesus as yet. And, and, and there's a reasonable request. Cut it down. There's nothing happening here. There's no use going on with this thing. We need to use up the space for something else. And, and this appeal comes. Give it another year. Well, we've got another year. That God in his, math, his mercy has given us another year. That the fruit might be seen. Jesus says that you may bear fruit. Jesus looks for the fruit of our lives. And this is not just for those who didn't know Christ as Saviour. It is for those who don't know the Lord. That some kind of fruit of repentance might be seen in your life. But it's the fruit of the fellowship. It's the fruit of our Christian lives. We need to see that happening in each of our lives. And, and sadly sometimes that fruit of fellowship or that fruit of unity or that fruit of humility or joy, whatever the fruit needs to be, sometimes it's absent. But the master or the servant says, give it another year and I'll fertilise it and I'll dig it round and let's see if it produces something. And the master says, okay, that's how we'll work it out. We'll give it another year. I call that the spared year, the spared fig tree, or the spared year, if you like. Significant years in the Word of God. The, that year at the beginning in Leviticus, it speaks of that time in the people of God when there was a fallow year, and God makes his promise. I'll look after the years up until the ninth. In fact, you'll have so much left of the old, you'll have to put it out to make way for the new. And then that religious year of the Passover that Paul Christianizes and says, well, Christ died on the cross. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let's celebrate with the festival. Not with the old leaven of malice and evil, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And then the spared year, where the master accepts the word of the owner of the vineyard. Let's give it another year to see the fruit. And I wonder in this particular year. If there's going to be some kind of fruit emerging from your life and mine. Perhaps it's been lying dormant. It needs to be fertilized. That's why it's important to come here. That's why it's important to be where the people meet for prayer. That's why it's important to be with the word of God in prayer day by day. Because through that, the fruit begins to emerge. But most important of all is to get to know Christ, the Passover lamb. He's been sacrificed. To give your life to him and just watch the fruit of repentance coming forth from your life and also from mine. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for these significant years that we find in the Word of God. And you want to speak into our hearts today. And, and you want to tell us that I've, you care for the years that lie ahead. You care about all the needs that we have that, that occupy our minds. 
We thank you, Lord, for that religious year of the Passover that became so important to Paul and realising that Christ is our Passover lamb and he has been sacrificed and that Jesus paid it all. And we thank you for that spared year where the fig tree has not been cut down but left to produce the fruit and it's yet to be seen. Oh Lord, that the fruit might emerge from this fellowship in a way beyond our asking. In Jesus' name. Amen.